Welcome to A Creative Affair. And, and you're here with Len Metcalf and uh, Bree Stockwell. And today we're going to talk about stealing like an artist. Uh, both Bree and I are, are quite inspired by a book by Austin Cleon. Uh, where he proposes this idea that artists steal. What an interesting idea. I think that's quite fascinating. Bree, what do you think about that idea? Well, when I first, <laughs> yeah, stealing, do it. <laughs> when I first saw this book, I think you told me about this book, didn't you? And um, By the way, oh, we each probably. have our little copy. Yeah, we each have our little copy. It's like <laughs> a little six by six. Would you say that's six inches? Yeah, yeah. It's a tiny little book. I, yeah, it's small, um, but it's pretty. Very easy read. Super and interesting. I mean, he really wrote the book that he wanted to write without any rules, <laughs> for sure. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder who he stole from to write this book. Okay, so at first I was like, steal like an artist? Because, you know, when we're kids, we're taught that stealing is bad, right? So, you know, it, it, maybe that's bad if you are stealing stuff. But he, I think the title is more meant to be a little like inflammatory. <laughs> yes, provocative so, is the word that yeah, was coming to yeah, my mind as you were saying right. that. And I actually just had a flash of a moment when, oh my God, that's why he did it. Because <laughs> I, I had major problems with the word steal. I, I really do. Like it, it triggers me. Like ah, stealing. <laughs> let's um, let's not go there. But oh my goodness, yeah. So before you guys, before all of you get so excited about how we're talking about stealing, this is actually more about how you can create work that is authentic to you. And why you want to do things like steal, but we'll talk about it in, in using his terms a little bit and then using our terms a little bit as we do it. We don't actually know how this conversation is going to go, but I posted on my Insta story today, this little quote right at the beginning from T.S. Eliot. It says, immature poets imitate, and we know what imitation is. It's an exact copy. Mature poets steal, bad poets deface what they take, and good poets make it into something better, or at least something different. The good poet welds his theft into a whole of feeling which is unique, utterly different from that, uh, ooh, from that from which it was torn, T.S. Eliot. Okay, so that's about poetry, but if you just insert any kind of art in there, same thing, right? Those, all those are interchangeable. I love that. Mature poets steal. It's beautiful because, um, except for the word steal, it's really beautiful because it acknowledges that our art is a product of our experiences in life. And um, we take from absolutely all of our experiences, everything we see and do comes in to us to make us who we are as a person that then comes back out through through the artwork. So what he proposes really is to say, and this is what Elliot's proposing as well, like stop and acknowledge it, like actually acknowledge that you're doing this as a process and what would happen instead of just acknowledging it, you actually went out and actively 
thought about how can this thing that excites me actually influence me in my own art. It's really, really a beautiful concept. I like, really love the concept. Yeah, I do too, besides the word steal. And I'm kind of okay with it now that I know what he's talking about. <laughs> now that he's, now, well, that's right. I had a little moment then, Bree, when you said that, because um, when I realized he was provoking and pushing us, pushing our buttons on purpose, I, I sort of re- I relaxed and let go. It's sometimes uh, what we do, now. right? <laughs> it's sometimes what we do. Like, wait a minute, what is that book about? And now we're reading yeah, it, yeah. right? So there's obviously some titles. I'm probably just going to go through and like say some of the things that are interesting in here. But the first thing I want to point out is he says how to look at the world like an artist. And I really think that's what this is about. Like as an artist and as a creative, how do we look at the world? Do we look at it differently than some other people? Or how can we gear our minds or how can we focus our brains to seeing the world with a creative eye wherever we go? And I think this definitely to me resonates with me as like the key to all of it. Even if I'm, no matter what I'm doing, how can I look at the world like an artist? So Len, how, like, how do you look at the world like an artist? With wonderment, with mm. the with the joy and the um, inquisitiveness of a child. Well, whether I can actually do that or not, but that's my goal. Like, uh, uh, I, I want to be present, uh, and I want to see things for. Um, I would love to say for what they are, but I, I think that's it's much more deeply personal than that. That I'm seeing things for what they mean to me, and, and noticing things that excite me or interest me or catch my attention. So uh, observing. The, the interesting that we use the word seeing in this because uh, we, don't, we don't use the word feel like an artist. We don't use the word listen like an artist. Um, it, the word see, and it's about observation. I know that I am very much this observer. You know, I... I uh, you know, I'm a voyeuristic. I, I, I love being a fly on the wall. I have all these things about observing. You know, if there's a huge conversation going on, I like to be sitting back and watching for a while and feeling it out before I'm diving in. It's so much about observation. So seeing, I think, is very much a part of uh, being an artist in my mind. Yeah, that's seeing. Thank you. And, and, but I think the part that seeing is like really noticing and absorbing what we see, right? Like really taking it in internally. Now, if I was like a robot or something, I could keep a database of everything that I've seen that was inspiring or, uh, or interesting as I've, as I've observed, but what I love that Austin does, or Mr. Cleon, I'm just going to call him Austin because I live in Austin and I like the name. He says, save your, th- <laughs> save your thefts for later. So he talks about keeping a swipe file. So like, can we keep, a, can you keep a file somewhere of some of the things that you have noticed, like quotes or um, my favorite thing to do is take a little a snap on my phone and I put it in a folder called inspiration. No, I have one of them. <laughs> I 
do snap. <laughs> right? Society. I mean, we're photographers, so of course you're going to snap. And truthfully, everyone has, almost everyone has a little smartphone that even if I, there's a quote that I see in a book, I'm snapping a picture of it. You can mm. even make, they have these they have these little apps where you can make like a PDF file of the page. And I like, I put, I actually have an Evernote file where I keep, you know, artistic inspiration. So he just says, keep a little swipe file of the, all of the things that you're, that you're passionate about. And what I love about this, he also says, you don't know when it's going to come up again. So you just collect these things that are inspiring to you. And then I really think that your artist brain will know when to pull it out because mm. if we've if if we've taken the time I think to collect it somewhere somehow our brain knows that it's that it exists there or when we want inspiration it can work both ways when we want inspiration we can just go to that file and go I think I think there's something in here that I need to see right now. And of mm. course, none of that is none of that is made by us, right? Even nature, it's not there's nothing unique or original. It's literally just things from everywhere and we just gather them in a personal in a combination that's very personal to us. I was at a workshop by a photographer uh, Peter Coulson teaches um uh, portrait photography. And he showed us inside his little folder on his computer called Inspirations. And in there were all these photographs of other people's work. And, and what he did is he, when he showed us there, he pulled out one of the photos and said, well, this was the inspiration. And it was uh, a figure covered in, in, in cracked mud. And oh, I love that as an inspiration. I put that one in my folder too. And then he showed us into where he took that idea and took it somewhere else. Now, the idea of putting mud on someone and cracking it or, um, you know, uh, ceramic um, clay and cracking it is not a new idea. Like I've got a whole book here by Art Wolf of, um, full of incredible photographs done in Africa of um, people in clay with the um, cray clacking, cracking off their body. And so the idea that's in the folder is just a trigger to take us and explore with it. And the work that was created was unique in itself and stealing is just a tiny little bit of the actual artwork. And this was really special to see because I, I think this is a, an issue here is when we're talking about stealing, we're, we're talking about crack, um, picking up these little fragments of ideas, the bit that really captures our attention. For him, it wasn't the composition in this particular case, although it could have been any number of things in that particular image, but he took one of those. And, and as uh, Elliot was saying, you re build that into something that is uniquely your own and uh, create something that's so, so special. I have these little folders everywhere. I have them in Instagram. I have them on my phone. I have them on my computer. I have them in diaries. And I think my book collection is also a part of this. And there's a drawer of prints that is also um, this place of collecting all of these things. I can't wait to look through your book collection. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
Uh, one It'll day. only take, you'll have to come to Australia for quite a long time. I to know, get through just them, pick your top five. <laughs> there's a lovely couch here just for you. And um, you, you can sit there and read and we can put on lovely music and you'll be lost for a long time. We, I will. We'll tell your husband that you're not coming back. <laughs> <laughs> he will be devastated. He'll be devastated. Yes, make me, sure. make me a cuppa and, uh, <laughs> and then hand me a book. You know, mm. I think that's such a good point that you made that, that I think that you touched on actually. We're not taking what we're inspired by and turning into directly into something that's our own, right? I, I know we've talked before about copying, I think in our episode called Inspiration, and I think we mentioned, do mention this book, Steal Like an Artist, but we wanted to do a whole episode on it. We've wanted to do a whole episode for a while. Copying, and, and I think that quote in T.S. Eliot, uh, from T.S. Eliot is, it talks about it. He says, immature poets imitate. So that's ex- to me, that's exactly copying. And that's not what we want to do to be able to create the work that's ours. We want to take the part of something that we're inspired by with a part of something else we're inspired by and a part of something else we're inspired by and maybe, maybe some new thoughts of ours and mix it up to become something that's ours. Right. And, um, Shoot, uh, you're going to hear me turning the pages here, but uh, he says here, oh, darn it. Oh, I'll say something while you look. Yeah, yeah. I want to find this one quote that he says. It's so good. One of the things that he does do is he differentiates between good theft and bad theft. And um, uh, he says good theft is about uh, honoring the original, studying it, stealing from many, many people, crediting in them. You know, oh, you know, this is my inspiration. And he uses words like transform and remix. And then he talks about bad theft. And bad theft is degrading, skimming through, just stealing from one person. If, if it's obvious to people that you're stealing, well, you're doing a terrible job, aren't you? And uh, bad theft is plagiarism. And, and really, it's a copyright infringement, and uh, there's ethical problems with bad theft. And plagiarizing is the word. So if you're plagiarizing someone, um, you're not you're you're totally out. And that's why the word steal was triggering me personally because of that because plagiarizing it like, issue. Yeah, because it sounds like direct copying. And yeah, and it's not at all, is it? No, an exact imitation, right? And he mm. even says here, he says, shoot, he, this book is so full of little things. I have all kinds <laughs> of things highlighted. He says, we learn by copying, right? So we can learn by some direct imitation. Think of how much we do of that when we're in school. Maybe we're learning to write, and then we come up eventually with our own style as we get the mechanics of it. A couple of things that I personally love. He says, you have to figure out who to copy. And that's a really good question. Like, who do right. you copy? And the answers are incredibly simple. The ones that inspire you. <laughs> like, yeah. You know, you look at a whole lot of art and you go, oh, look at that. And the one that you go up to and it grabs your attention and pulls you, then. That's the one. There you are. There's your answer. Yeah. And he actually takes that a little bit further and he says, okay, so you've got the one. Do a deep dive on the one. And mm. then. Uh, three people that that person was inspired by 
or is somehow related to that artist or whoever, and then you go study them. You do this, don't you? Yes, I do. Yeah, and you just take a deep dive. I check out who inspires my people that are my heroes, and then I go and study them as well. It's interesting because often it leads back to Bill Brandt, and so I'm, I'm quite like, oh, who's this person? Everyone keeps talking about them. I better go and find out who they are, and then I'm looking at their work going, well, what is it that in the artwork that is actually inspiring them? And uh, it's fantastic. Yeah, I love that idea so much. So when you have that little that that inspiration, that swipe file, then you can go in there when you have time and say, who do I want to study next? And I think when we start gathering up what's inspiring to us and we'll be able to like really understand. In fact, that, that actually takes me to this. It's like, he says, it's in the act of making things and doing our work that we figure out who we are because we're going to start to see some connections with who we're inspired by and who we're stealing from, (laughs) you know, and who, who we're actually using to emulate in, in our, in our own work. And, and I think that's, I think that's really brilliant and wise because it's so true that Mm -hmm. we figure out who we are in this whole process of actually stealing from other people. I also love this. He says, if we're free from the burden of trying to be completely original, because he sets the premise that there is really no original originality. Everything's kind of already been done before, but we remix it up into something that's uniquely ours. You can tell me if you agree with that, but here's the rest. We can stop trying to make something out of nothing and we can embrace influence instead of running away from it. I think we expend if I was to try and make something out of nothing at this stage of where I art, then I would be spending a lot of energy on it and not a lot of time creating, if that makes sense. Mm. But if I can gather up inspiration and use that as some of the premise for doing my work and starting to really create work that's uniquely mine, then, then at that point, look at how much less energy that I've used. And I can, I actually have more energy to focus on my creativity. I just think that's such a, for me personally, that's such a great principle. Like I always want more energy for creating. So what can I do to set myself up for that? And this is one of them by not spinning all of my energy, trying to come up with the one original thing. Maybe sometimes I do want to do that, but I just want to be mindful of it, you know? So what Mm. do you think, Lynn? Is anything completely original? The whole idea of creationism and um, that we keep growing and we keep coming up with new inventions, of uh, of course, um, there's problems with that statement because we are, you know, adding new words to our dictionary. We have to... You know, there has to be a committee to figure out what to leave, what word to leave out. So there is originality, and, and there definitely is. But um, we are, as artists, a sum of who we are and where we've come from as we explore those sort of things uh, as we head along. I, I, I think one of the things to do also is to consider where we are on our artistic creative journeys. Um, are we a beginner? Uh, or are we an experienced master and really skilled at it and, uh, and you know, uh, are fantastic with what we do? 
we we would steal differently based on, uh, uh, as a beginner, we don't know where to start so easily. And I did this. My hero was Peter Dombrovskis. I, um, as a teenager, I found one of his diaries in and out, a bushwalking store. I bought it, I bought it home, and it became my diary to work and write in. And I became obsessed with his work, and I'd stare at it, and I'd look at other collections of landscape photographers, and no one else did it for me except him. And then when I went off to art school, and someone finally put a large format camera in my hand, and uh, I'd already finished colour photography in my studies at that point, uh, I immediately put colour film in the thing, I turned the format to a portrait orientation so it was vertical and I wanted to be like him and I studied what he said and I went out and for um, a very long period, I mean years, 15 years or something, I photographed like him and uh, I also had other heroes that turned up uh, along the way like William Neal and, and his uh, beautiful colour ones and uh, I can actually nail and still describe particular photographs that really, really excited me. And I worked in the same sort of camera, the same format, the similar films, uh, the same lights, you know, where are they going? Wilderness, you know, I couldn't photograph in my backyard. I had to be in wilderness and I had to be in World Heritage Wilderness. Like the whole thing just kept going and going for years. And that copying and copying, and I wasn't copying their work. So I wasn't going to the same spot trying to find the same photograph, but I was interesting in, interested in how they composed. And then what could I do with the same equipment and, uh, you know, what light excited them and all those sort of things. So... Um, there's a lovely quote in this book, and it's by uh, Yoji Yamatamoto. I can't pronounce things, Brie. I've got no idea. But um, it says, um, start copying what you love. Copy, 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 copy. At the end of the copy, you will find yourself. Now, I did really beautiful work when I was, you know, in my Peter Dombrovska stage of my photography. And then after that, and uh, I went somewhere else. Probably I went into my Michael Kenner stage next. After those copy, copy, copies, uh, now I feel like I'm Len. And, and I think all of my work in that process was very much Len too. But I, I think that's just a lovely example uh, of how, you know, at different stages in our development as an artist, how the copying and the stealing changes. And, and today it's, uh, oh, that's an idea. So I really like stealing just tiny little ideas so that, um, you know, it's, it's totally innocuous where I got it from. And no one would know where I got that particular idea from anymore. I love that. I mean, I think a lot of us go through this copying phase, you know, and I do think it matters where you're at in your own creative journey. I mean, we talked about me painting and literally all I'm going to do for creative February. I don't know when this I'll post this. (laughs) We have multiple episodes recorded and we just put them up as we feel like they make sense. (laughs) We're we're random as we are people, aren't we, (laughs) Brie? I know. We, I was thinking, you know, we recorded an episode on creative curiosity and I don't know if it will go out before this or after this. We'll have to decide. And it doesn't matter. (laughs) 
As if it no, matters. No, and it doesn't matter. It truly doesn't matter. Because eventually <laughs> they'll both be up and then they'll complement each other, right? So That's right. We'll have references to both of them. Yeah, for sure. So in this book, he doesn't... Oh, I don't think I finished my thought. That you were gonna, you were looking for a page. Did you find it? I well, I did. I did read that part, um, but I, I think at the beginning we do copy a lot, and I think it gets less. Here's what I think. At least for me, it feels like I'm copying less as I develop my own personal vision, but also. I don't know if that's because I'm copying less or because I have, I've looked at my inspiration, the, the people who I'm inspired by so many times that it's like, actually I've internalized all of it, you know? So I'm not on purpose copying, but I have internalized a lot of work. I mean, you and I, some people don't look at any work and you and I, we look at a lot of work, right? Mm. Well, that's got a special name, hasn't it? Um, uh, oh, when yeah. you don't look at anyone else's work, we could do. We'll do an episode on that one day, maybe. <laughs> should we? Should we invite Cole Thompson to come on and chat with us? <laughs> we could. Yes, we can. We question should. Him. Okay, so if you're listening to this and you're a photographer, tell us if you want us to invite Cole Thompson on to chat with us about <laughs> photographic celibacy. <laughs> mm, fascinating. I have his email, and I'll email him. <laughs> Uh, maybe it's like a, it's like steal like an artist. It's a, pro- a provocative way of um, describing something that's much more complicated than we imagine. Well, I think what Cole is saying, and maybe maybe actually we should now after this reach out to him. Put that on the list, Lynn. Uh, <laughs> I I think what he's saying is we do a lot of. We do a lot of looking at other people's work, maybe feeling inspired by them, judging, comparing our our work to their work, and we don't do enough of, I, I think this is what he's saying, and maybe we don't do enough of just discovering who we are. And when you can put all of that other stuff aside, then it might be easier to discover who you are. As a coach, I think it's it's harder to discover who you are when you're doing all the comparison part. So if you can get inspired and release the judgment that you have about where you feel you're at in your art, in your journey as an artist, you have more creative energy to explore who you are because listen, the judgment and all of that, those those feelings, those bad feelings that come with it, those all take energy. And if we could release that, then we'll have more energy for actually doing the creating, which is amazing. Mm. So did you write it down? Are we going to? Uh, yeah, it's in, it's in my list now. It's Okay, we just put it on the list. Oh, our and list, then, sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's fine. <laughs> we always put stuff on the list and then we decide later. So. That's right. It's brainstorming. We don't even, we're not allowed to critique it. We just put it in there. That's right. And then later we go, oh, I don't really feel like that today, Brie. (laughs) And then we go, oh, that one. Yes, that one, that one, that one. It's jumping out at us. (laughs) I'm just telling you if one person emails me, like takes the time to email me and says, yes, let's get Cole Thompson on, then I will do it. (laughs) (laughs) 
Um, and um, he's a lovely man and his work's gorgeous too. So it'll be a really yeah. interesting conversation. Yeah, I really like him. Okay, so enough about Cole Thompson, <laughs> how much we like him. And if John Barclay was listening to this, he'd be mad that we weren't talking about him because they're good friends. Um, so some of the other things that Austin talks about, it this isn't this steel like an artist is really just the catalyst for discussing living an artistic life and mm. using inspiration to, like we said before, create your own our authentic art. And so within that, he talks about some other small things like, and I think we've talked in an episode about this, like he's, he talks about being bored and he says, creative people need time just to sit around and do nothing. And we just did an episode all about taking a break and having some fallow ground and doing nothing and releasing the pressure and just allowing yourself to come up with new ideas. So we should release this after that one. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. We'll see how Maybe. we go. Right. We'll see how we go. What else stood out to you in Austin's, in some of the things that Austin said? Um, well, one of the, the points that comes out, he says, is write the book you want to read. And this is a really special idea, I think, and one that, that sings quite specially for me is, and uh, I use this for um, assessing my own work as well. Like I, I, I want my work to be enthralling to me and it captures my attention and sucks me in and I want to be looking at it. And, you know, that's why I have prints hanging around the wall and a, a print viewing area where they're just sitting against the, the thing there or I'm flipping through my phone, searching for them and, and looking at them creating work that I actually want to consume. Uh, I think this is a, a really beautiful idea about being an artist is that we need to enjoy what we're doing, not as only as a process, so we actually enjoy going and making the art, but we enjoy the final product of it. Uh, and I, I spend so much time lecturing people, and I do lecture people, <laughs> stop worrying about what other people think of your work. And that's the, uh, quite a strong bottom line. Like make work, not to win competitions or anything, but make work for you. Like which, like I, someone only yesterday had a black and white and a colour photograph up and asking the audience, which one do you prefer? That and was it's me. a great way to, <laughs> it was you, was it? Oh, no, it wasn't. I didn't see I it. I swear <laughs> it was me. Go look. I actually said what resonates with you, but people do this a lot. Because I oh, had well, it's a, hard a way time. of increasing in um, connect, uh, interaction and connection. So I understand. Yeah, yeah. Not why to, it's not important. To, right, and not necessarily to like tweak the Instagram algorithm. But I genu <laughs> genuinely wanted to hear. I don't know if it was me. Lots of people do this, so it could have been me. So I asked this person, and I said, "Which one is the one that you like the most?" Oh, and, and, I don't think that was And me. eventually they just said, oh, thank you. By you asking that question forced me to make a decision. And they said, oh, I prefer the monochrome one. And I went, yes, see, monochrome is just so beautiful. And, um, and I also went on to explain why the majority of people that haven't got an art background will choose the color one. And that there's actually, you know, there would be a clear winner because of our biases and our um, thinking of things, particularly up the saturation a little bit. The, the, the most important part of that answer is which one grabbed you. 
And this is what Austin is saying, write the book that you want to read. I think that's uh, an incredibly beautiful thing. And it's one of the lessons, Brie, that has caught me up so many times in my life when I worry too much or think too much about what others think about my work. When I make it for myself, it's better. Like there's, there's no doubt about it. And I have absolutely zero question about this, that when I make it for my own indulgence and to keep my own intention in, in attention, it's better work. It might not be popular, but it is better. It's more engaging. It's more interesting. It's more stimulating. Um, it captures my attention. I agree. I, I have noticed this in my own work over the past at least year, because I'm really trying to focus on that, which is photograph what is interesting to me. And I have gone places with people and just stood there, other photographers, and just stood there for a little while, a quite a long while, while other people were snapping away and, you know, doing all the crazy photography. And I'm like, I'm not quite feeling inspired and I don't have a problem with that right now. And I think that that's okay because I really want to honor, I want to honor that feeling that I have of to do the work when I'm inspired and when I'm not really, I don't want to just make it because, you know, I'll, I'll loop us back around to this one spot in this book, which I love. And he says, this is a not so secret formula. <laughs> he says, if there was a secret formula for becoming known, I would give it to you. But this isn't necessarily about becoming known. This is about doing good work. And he talks about it's how hard it is. Actually, there's no shortcuts you want to make. You want to practice often that you are going to feel like Maybe you're not getting there quite as quickly as you want to, and that's okay. This stuff, this work takes time. This, if you are invested uh, in your art as a creative for the long haul, <laughs> it for the long term, then. You just keep doing it every day, every day and every day, and it will increase your love of it. It will increase how good it gets and it will, oh, there was one other thing I was going to say. Um, you will get better. And I think that we'll make work that's authentic to us if, if you kind of follow some of these things, you know, following what you're passionate about and inspired about versus just doing what everyone else, you think everyone else wants to see from you. You know, he also says, fail, get better. <laughs> then he also says this, now put your stuff on the internet. <laughs> 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 so actually, can I, I, I was thinking about this, um, a minute ago, I started, a. 365 project, which is like a photo a day for a year. And it kind of sounds a little trite and it kind of sounds like not at all. Oh, right. <laughs> but I decided I wasn't going to go out and photograph something every day. That doesn't seem doable for me. You know, I'm not talking about an impossible goal here. <laughs> I want to be able to complete this one, you know, and I decided that I would have some kind of some ground rules or some guidelines for myself. And one of them is to go back through my work 
look at what I'm inspired by and pull out the work that I really want to work on and then show it to the world. And I have to tell you, it feels really vulnerable to pull things out that I don't think are super like a hundred percent perfect. And I'm putting, and because I'm just sharing, cause I want to, but I, I'm having to really do some work on my brain about perfectionism and mm-hmm. vulnerability and what other people are going to think about my stuff. I really feel like I've already done some of this work. I teach it in my creative confidence workshop, which is going on now. And I might do another one in April, but anyway, so I teach about this, but I'm like, well, how can I'm discovering that this is actually pushing me to do all this work again and discover more for myself. And I think that's really, really interesting. I think I'm going to see some interesting connections in my work too, by sharing so often and immersing myself in my work every single day. It'll be really interesting. Mm. And perfection really is the enemy of an artist. Yeah. Uh, I I can't remind you that over and over enough that when we let go of this idea that it has to be perfect, we free ourselves and uh, it can become this crutch and it can become a a blocker. It can become a a trigger. It, it, It gets in the way and we really have to let it go. And I I have to spend so much time encouraging people to let go about perfectionism. Like perfectionism is for AI computer generated art and uh, um, Instagram or something, but not for artists. Have, Have we done an episode about perfection? I don't know. Have we? I feel like this is something I want to talk about now. Oh, okay. I'll better put that on our list, Brie. <laughs> put it on the list. Because, you know, I think a lot of us deal with this, um, you know, perfection in art and what does that look like? Yeah, I don't think we have. Okay, and, it's on the list. Yeah, okay. So I'll, we'll pause the conversation on that for that episode. <laughs> And I'll probably, cause I, there's one image in particular that I posted already. And as soon as I put, po- I've looked at it a million times. And as soon as I posted it, I'm like, oh my goodness, <gasps> there's something on that image that is out of place. Oh my goodness. I want to pull it down and, and change it. Like even now I'm like, I want to pull it down and change it. So anyway, that's just the perfectionist part of, and I'm not a perfectionist, but it's that part of me like all of that thinking that's causing me like what do I what do I want to address in my own head about all Can that? I ask you a little question like when you put it there does it necessarily have to be finished as you no. you know this why can't it just be a stage a st- we mm. in art we in in printmaking particularly we call it a state and we actually do a plate we pull a plate of a state of where it's at at the moment And we show people or we sit it up and we look at it and we stare at it and then we change it. I'm actually personally going through this stage of really darkening my art down and, you know, embracing Bill Brandt's influence in my work after being told by someone else to have a look at his work. But embracing blacks, Mm. really strong black in my work. So I'm reprocessing work with this new idea. Like, I wonder what would happen if I... I did this to it and I'm making 
totally new work again by revisiting stuff that I've already worked on. And it's not finished. It's just another state. And, uh, you know, in the long run, which one I might like, which one I put in a book, it doesn't matter. Uh, they're, they're states and it's a, it's a reiterative and also um, a revisionary and forwards, backwards sort of process. It doesn't have to, to finish either way. That's really beautiful. I want to reiterate that on our episode about <laughs> perfectionism. <laughs> so, okay. So I think we've, we're at like 40 minutes or something. We've picked at this a oh. lot. Uh, can I do one more? Yeah, I just saw another one. Yeah, do one oh, more. Well, let's do one whole... more each. Come on. No, yeah. Okay, one more each. One more okay, each. Okay, one ahead. more each. This one isn't so much about the from the title of the book, but it's a, one of the gems in there. And uh, I, I find this one incredible to think about and it's sort of a little bit mind-blowing. But he says, mm. we're, we're taking from this huge world of experiences and life and everything and we're just pulling out we're subtracting and getting rid of all of that other distraction and really narrowing down to something that's incredibly special. And if we think about it as uh, instead of what am I trying to put in here, we could actually think about it the other way. And I think this is a really beautiful idea is, hey, hey, Brie, what do we leave out? As we're making our art, we're choosing what to remove and to to push aside. And this focusing in and thinking about it as a, a subtractive process instead of an additive process. And I've actually brought that into my processing as well. Like uh, I darken down my work and then I I add and bring up the bright bits afterwards. So, so this whole idea that there's only one way and that, uh, you know, we're working in an additive process, uh, I find is worth turning on its head. <laughs> Does that make sense? I hope, Brie. <laughs> yeah, I think so. And I think a lot of things that people say you've got to do this are worth turning on their heads too. <laughs> so, oh, yeah. Right. So many so ideas, one... even the steel, like an artist, we could turn on its head. Right. But we like the concept of it besides the word steel. Okay. Here's mine. Ready? So this kind of goes into what I was saying the last time, which is share your work. And he says, once you put your work into the world, you have no control over the way people react to it. We don't know what they're going <gasps> to think of it, what the, what they're going to feel about it, what they're going to say about it. And then the next thing he says is keep a praise file. Come on. We want to say, see, this is my favorite thing. So in my confidence program, my small group coaching program, our very last week, and in fact, in our workshop, Len, that we're going to do, our very last week is kind of a celebration and we're doing some culminating and that kind of stuff. But it is great to find evidence for ourselves of how we're going right. Once we've done all of this work, once we've put it all together, what, like because he says even, this is hard, this is hard work. We're going to do a lot of practice, going to take a lot of energy. We're going to collect all the inspiration and put it all together. And we're going to do all this stuff. Why not keep a praise file? Why not have, you know, when someone leaves you a really nice comment, put that in your stuff. That doesn't mean that, 
you have to make it mean that your work is amazing or not, whatever, like, cause you get to have the judgment over it. However, it's really nice when we're feeling like crap and we're forgetting <laughs> we're just in that space where we are having a low moment to be able to go back and look at all that stuff and remember, look at all of those words, compliments, maybe awards we've won and remind ourselves a, how far we've come already to that point and kind of buoy ourselves up for the future. So mm. anyway, go see how you are already going right and then keep track of it. I love that concept so, so much. Yes. I, I keep a praise file by keeping little testimonials. I, I screenshot beautiful comments. Mm -hmm. uh, I come back to them and read them over and over. Um, I, I make note of who it is. So um, some people, their, their praise is uh, higher up in the scale for me. Um, you know, Tim Parkin is one of my mates, but also a hero. His praise of my work I hold in the highest esteem because I know how much study uh, uh, he has done in the genre and that he next, like he's someone that I trust. And we also talked about other people's work and we agreed on what was good and bad. So if he says something, that goes to the top of the pile of praise because He's actually um, someone that I would – he would want to have on my little stamp, actually. Um, we talked Your about square squad? My little squares bit. Yes, exactly I need right. to make one of those. I think we should actually <laughs> need to make one. Well, I, just in you saying that, I think maybe this is a good place to end our episode. And I want to say this. I was chatting with Mark Davis and um, I had shared uh, I had shared one of his posts that I thought was really lovely, and I told him how much I loved it. So I do this too, like I send it out, right? This this is what social media is for. And he says, "I've been following your Creative Affair podcast talks as well. I'm really looking forward. To, I'm looking forward to more of them. Like he really he's he really like is enjoying them and." I really loved that he took some time to say that. And really, truly, we hope you are all benefiting from these conversations and enjoying them. And I will use this as a time to say, let us know so we can put you in our praise file. Mm. <laughs> and there's Momo, not the whole time. Did you did you all miss Momo? <laughs> uh, and he's a good boy, and that's a bit of his praise for today. <laughs> that's right. Good job, Momo, for protecting the house. <laughs> yes, he's on guard right. dog duty this morning. <laughs> for sure. All right, everyone. That was our conversation about stealing like an artist. I just wanted to say that word steal one more time for you, Lynn, before we go. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. You're such a provocative person yes. you're stirring Steel. me up trying to trigger me etc uh, etc et but I, I really recommend this book it's a beautiful little book it's more than what the title suggests he's actually got a few others and another one is um publish your art i think it's called or something i can't remember how he turns that into a provocative title but it's about putting your work out there into the world as well and uh, there's a third one too one of them's got a blue cover i can remember that and one's got a yellow cover but we do highly recommend this book and uh go and read it it's a very yeah. easy read it's easy to pick up and uh um it's absolutely fantastic i i do a whole 
um, one-hour presentation on on this book in my um, photography school. Uh, I think it's it is brilliant. Thanks, Lynn, for that. And we'll put a link to the book in the notes and then any other things that we talked about. And then you can all wonder if we're going to have some conversations that we put in our idea file for the future. So (laughs) with that, I think we'll just say goodbye. Bye, everyone. Thanks for joining us. Bye. Thank you for joining us in our creative affair. If you love the passion we bring to this creative content, please support the podcast by sharing with a friend, subscribing, and leaving us a review. Thanks. If you'd like to learn more about creative photography, visit lenmetcalf.com, where you can find links to Len's photography school, videos, and publications. He would love to invite you to sign up to his newsletter. To find out more about my work, including my photography and mentoring in my Creative Confidence group coaching program, visit creativemindscoach.com. See you next time.